EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh King. So glad that you are here with us on this 46th episode of the podcast for the Established Church, the original podcast that is for the Established Church by Established Church Pastors. We just want to help you out. We hear it all the time. Thank you so much for talking about this subject or that subject. Just this last week, we got a Twitter message about an idea that was floated through these airwaves on this podcast, and it's really helping people. So if it's helping you, we're glad. You don't even have to do anything. We're just so glad that you are paying attention, you're listening, you're contributing on Twitter and other mediums. I do want to give a shout out to our friend in Illinois, Cal Callison, who is listening um, every week faithfully, I am sure, also following us on Twitter. You too can follow us on Twitter at EST Church. My co-host today is one of my good friends, Andrew Abair, who's pastor in Amarillo, Texas. Andrew, how's your day going? It's going good, Josh. Good is to talk it? with you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good to talk with you. We, I got a topic for you. And um, for those of you who don't know, Andrew and I have been friends for quite a while. And uh, we will regularly talk about the pastorate anyways. Just And so in these podcasts, we just get to kind of record what we would normally do on the phone. I've been dealing with something here at Saxe's Church and kind of diving into a topic that I want to get Andrew's input on. Got a little bit of his input on already and it's called uh it's what i call delinquent members how to how to kind of follow up with those who were members and are not now but uh what do you think about is that, that what Andrew? is that what you mean by delinquent the, that's yeah, an unusual that's, that's an unusual word to me i'm del- googling it okay what is Hang it on tell me what Hang it means on. when you get it delinquent I might be saying something bad i say things bad all right all the time. i don't mean to <clears throat> As an adjective, which I assume you're using as an adjective, a delinquent member, typically of a young person showing or characterized by a tendency to commit crime. <laughs> I would have to stretch it to make Do you have a work. lot of those? <laughs> I'm just curious. What does that look like? You know, stealing no. more than one cup of grape juice at communion or – no, that's them. not what I mean by that word. I need to come up with a new word. And um, <laughs> and right now, as we speak, we've got to come up with a new title for this episode because I can't post that. That's not what, what about I'm talking about. non-active? Have you heard mm-hmm. that? Like churches that have an active member list and a non-active, that always has kind of seemed a little oxymoronic to me, a non-active. Yeah, we have that. We have a non-active. And I'm actually so you've got three categories, active, non-active, and, and criminal. <laughs> delinquent criminal people that would not pass background check uh yeah yeah we do um not criminal though but but we call it post which i think defining our terms might be a great place to start here because this is where i think is super helpful place to start most churches that i know of especially established churches you've probably ran into these when i took Saxe's church pastor when when god assigned me here and i came 
we had, we were averaging about a hundred people. We had, and I bet you can guess how many members. A thousand. More. A thousand plus. A thousand plus. We had two thousand members. Nice. Yeah, That's two thousand members. It's very impressive. Oh yeah, I should tell. I those bet you're members. a rock star at your like local association meeting. Of course. Um, yeah. When my local association has churches that have two thousand attenders, so <laughs> <laughs> no, not so much. But yeah, there's a. Uh, there's this idea of having these members, and so membership matters. I think I read that somewhere, and it means something. And so, you know, defining our terms. So I'll just share with my what ours is, what we've come to, and then you kind of let me know maybe how you handle that or how you think it should be handled. So we have active members. Then we have inactive members. Inactive members are people who have not given, served, or attended in the last six months. The main difference between an active member and an inactive member is that they no longer have a vote. So they can come to meetings and things, but they have no vote. After one year, and this is in our latest edition of our bylaws, and this is a, it brings up another topic that I think we should talk about. All right, hold up. Before you finish that thought, mm-hmm. you say, so you can be a member still, but you just don't have a vote. Mm-hmm. Does that get awkward? Like a non-active member shows up at a business meeting? They don't have a vote anymore? Um, well, you know, it's never like happened. How do, you, how do you tell them that? Do you well, tell them that? we just kind of say it. And we haven't had any kind of controversial votes, um, you know, the kind of votes where all of a sudden the attendance swells by 300 people who all swear they're members of the church. No, we haven't had that. But I imagine that might get awkward. But we would, we would print out names and say, these people are allowed to vote. Anybody not on this list is not. Hmm. Sorry for interrupting. That's just that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. And that's why I want to talk about this. So the next step, which is a little bit awkward and weird, is that after one year of inactivity, essentially, you forfeit your membership. There's no vote. There's no official process. It's just stated on the front end as you join the church. If you don't do anything for a year, you forfeit your membership. So, so – so being a non-active member is kind of like membership purgatory. You can Pretty kind much. of like yeah. earn, earn and, your membership back or lose it. Yeah, an inactive member becomes, um, you know, in a bad spot. And then after a year, they're post. That's what we call it, post-membership. Post-member. Yeah. Yeah, you can also gain post-membership status by dying. So there's that too. So that's who you are calling a delinquent member. Or is that well, a different category? No, no, no. Well, it's really the inactives and the post. Is there unengaged? A... Yeah, yeah. We could use that. That's a great. That that would make a better title. That's a much better title. Ministering to the unengaged member. How do you do that? Should we do that? Do you have categories for membership, or is it just member, or you're dead to me? Uh, <laughs> we we do. Yeah, and I think that membership matters. Um, I'm I'm pastoring still within my first year at Paramount here in Amarillo. So there's, you know, we haven't really crossed that bridge yet. We've, we've started addressing membership on the front end. We started doing that about three months ago. So like, how do you become a member? Mm. And like a lot of, a lot of churches, you know, what we had been doing was somebody could come up at the invitation at the end of the service and fill out a card and be voted on right there and presented to the church as a new member. And the problem with that was sometimes, um, you know, somebody would come for the first time, They'd get excited. Um, they might have kind of a mountaintop moment sometime in the service, 
want to do something about that. And so they think, hey, I'll join the church. But there's never any kind of interaction or interview or process of understanding, even if they know the Lord or understand what it means to be a church member. And so sometimes they join the church and then never even come back. But then they're on our, our membership role. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've served churches. Uh, thankfully, Paramount is not not this way because they've done a really good job of kind of keeping track of, of membership. But in, in the past, I've served churches where it was like you said, you know, there's, you know, three or four hundred people who attend, but there's two or three thousand, quote unquote, members. Mm-hmm. So all of that to say we've addressed we've started to address the issue on the front end of membership. How do you have a membership process that's healthy so that you have fewer members who who disengage at the back end. But mm-hmm. I'm still new enough that I've not really come up with a process like what you, you've you outlined. That's really intriguing to me. I could see a lot of value in that in terms of figuring out, okay, now who's not a member or yeah. how does somebody lose membership? And I think that as we're talking about this, one of the questions, I mean, you just asked something along the lines of saying, so you can be a member, but you don't have a vote. That's really kind of an intriguing paradox because then why even have that category? That doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I think if I was trying to – you didn't ask that, but I'm asking it of myself. I think what it is is it's a warning shot. It's a, look, you're not engaged in what we're doing here. Do you still want this? Are you still engaged in this? And we still chase those people down. There, there has to come a, a reason where we're sitting here ministering to those people on a membership level. Because we don't right, minister let me, to everybody the same. Let me push back a little bit uh, on you because we would do this if we were having a phone conversation. So we're just inviting Absolutely. people yeah. to, to listen in. But how would you define church member biblically? Let's start there and then I've got a follow-up question. Okay. So using just run-of-the-mill terms here, a person who is saved, they've accepted Jesus, they've submitted to Christ's rule in their life. So they're saved. They've been scripturally baptized with a correct understanding and method of baptism. That's how we do it. That's how we define it. And they have made a commitment to this particular group of people. And I guess the, the other side of that is that, and they have submitted to the elders of this church and the leadership. So that's kind of how I would define that. Okay. Are there responsibilities of membership? I mean, there's expectations to give, obviously Mm -hmm. to attend because yes. those are the things on the back end that they would not be a member about uh, right. if they failed to do those things. Yeah, that's the commitment level. They are committed okay, so to what we call Christ, community, compassion, worshiping, giving, attending, and serving. Okay. What are the benefits of being a member? The benefits are the community that you're part of, the um, accountability within your spiritual growth methodology. So, you know, we're we're holding you accountable to be good stewards of your tithe, that sort of stuff. Um, man, I don't have it all memorized in front of me, but there's just this, mainly the main gist is there's accountability and there's community. So, What about a th- a th- authority? This may be a difference in our congregational polity. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly at Saxe's church, but, but from my church and a lot of churches, there's mm-hmm. congregation, congregational authority. Okay. So there may be pastoral leadership, but you know, essentially the authority resides in the church membership itself. Is it that way at Saxe's church? It is to a level. There are these nine items in which elders cannot do. So that's how we kind of define it. So things like the budget, the properties, selling um, the property, for instance, the change of the name, anything that substantially changes our bylaws, that's defined within our bylaws as well. Church membership as far as acceptance and so, or as far as, um, discipline 
so church discipline, those sort of things, these are all, uh, we feel scripturally, some of them, other ones pragmatically vested in the body, the congregation. So one of the benefits then of being a member at Saxe's Church would be participating in a congregational authority type structure. You get to vote on stuff. Right, to a level, yes. To a level, okay. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question that pops up in my mind, just hearing about how you could be an inactive member, Mm -hmm. I remember that's what you said, which is you're still a member, but essentially at that point you're giving up your participation in congregational authority or you're voting on certain matters. So I, I guess my question would just be, in what sense are you still a member? Because it seems to me like as soon as you move to that inactive, you kind of, you kind of are not a member anymore automatically. Mm-hmm. Member in name only, maybe. Mm. A minnow. <laughs> Man, you're changing all of my turns because minnow is way more fun to say than inactive. So the, I would say there is benefit to community. So I would say that there is benefit to being a part of a group, to be still considered part of us. You're part of us. You're one of ours. And so that there is a a care that's contributed to that. So obviously, you know, we should love everybody in the community. And we do, but we don't love everybody to the same extent and in the same fashion. And so the people in my small group have a different relationship than I have with just the general people in the church and then with somebody I've never met. And so you're still in that. You still have that sort of um, uh, oversight, people looking out for you or caring and checking in and all that sort of stuff. You still have pastors who um, count you amongst their numbers, you know, Hebrews 13. So you're accountable. We're accountable for you. We still count you in that group. Now, you have lost your voice, and primarily we say that because there's the disengagement. Why would you vote on something? that you haven't even been a part of for six months. Why would you yeah, vote makes on sense. the budget, et cetera? So you give yeah. up one of what, I guess in this conversation, one of the three main things that are yeah. benefits of the church. That makes sense. I, I haven't thought a lot about that. I need to think through that some more. Let me ask you this question. So let's say somebody becomes unengaged or disengaged. They're now no longer considered a member. So they've moved from active member to inactive member. Now they're not a member at all. What happens then? Do you just leave them at that point, or do you have a strategy for trying to re-engage them? Well, that's that's really sort of been the last couple of weeks. That's the curiosity here. And I'll share with you sort of our numbers, which you know, you're know you probably not supposed to do, but this is the way we are. Um, we have 416 members. We've talked about this, Andrew and I, so I'm just inviting everybody else in. 416 members, four are inactive, are in the minnow category. We've reached out to them, called them. Um, found out what's going on with those. Now, the way that turned out, there was one that was a teenager, three were family. It's a mom, a dad, and a child. And so that's where the four were. In the last couple of years, since 2012, which for whatever reason, that's what the report ended up. I'm not real sure why. There were 530. I forget the exact number. It's not sitting here in front of me. 500, let's say 530 post members. Which means 530 people have gone past our members. They no long, They were members and are no longer members. Out the back door. Out the back door. So at first that really bothered me, like bothered me a lot. But I started looking at those numbers, and there's some categories that we can put them in. And there's probably some more categories, but these were the four major categories that we looked at. One was death, obviously. If you die, you're no longer a member of this particular local assembly. 
there is um they got mad they got mad at something and they left the third one is they is what we just called good reason um they moved job transfer something along those lines they're not mad at us they like us and some of them still visit um when they're back in town for family but good reason they went away the fourth category is the category that I was most curious about and really kind of what the show, what I was kind of wanting to know about was we don't know. We call them drifters or they slipped away. And so they're just people who maybe they didn't make a big splash when they came in. Maybe they weren't just these dominant personalities, but they came in. They went through our membership course. That's the other thing. Our membership meeting, our pre-membership meetings have been going on longer than 2012. These people have more than likely gone through our screening process, joined our church, and have slipped away since. So, um, yeah, and so we dug into those numbers a little bit, and we found 50 families. I think it's 52 families. We don't know. The rest were all one of those three categories. And so there's a curiosity with what do you do with the people who you know are mad? Uh, I've got a lot of questions with that. Um, There's nothing you can do about the dead or good reason. They just, you know, those are gone. And then what do you do about those who have drifted away? So I don't know. I mean, at this point in Saxe's church life, we've just gotten as far as kind of identifying them. I did send a postcard to all of them, and I sent an email to all of those 50, um, just kind of trying to touch base again. But what, what was in the postcard and the email? They were. Um, sort of a celebration of what's going on right now. So the email had a little bit more information, of course. The postcard was a little shorter. The email just kind of, hey, a lot of great things are happening here in and through Saxe's Church. Um, here's some highlights, some things that we're expecting, that we're excited about coming up in the next couple of days. And then, boom, you know, uh, why don't you connect again this Sunday, at, you know, at 1030, you know, something like that. So it's not... You're not necessarily addressing head on the fact that they've disengaged. You're just saying, hey, here's exciting things are happening. Would love to, for you to be part of it. Yeah, at this point, I think. Or, or are you saying more explicitly, like, we want you to be part of it again? Like, we want you to re engage? I did say re engage. The words. Re engage. Uh, yeah, re engage or reconnect was on the postcard. It was just kind of a big word, just reconnect to what God's doing at Saxe's Church. And it was just a little nudge in a direction. My assumption is that these 50 families or so aren't mad, and they just kind of disengage themselves on their side. On our side, you know, sometimes you you take a couple trips. Grandma gets sick. You got to deal with that. Maybe there's a personal situation at the house, like even something small, like uh, the the hot water heater starts leaking, and so you you miss church that, and you, before long you just missed them, you know, two months, and then. And then it just grows, you know, and, and you just get back out of the habit. So we're just trying to urge, you know, nudge them back in that general direction. What do you think about that? Is that enough? Or is, is, are there I like other... it. I, I, think it's, I think it's good. It's intentional. It's a little subtle. You know, I would wonder, would it be helpful just to try to make a, you know, you're in a different context than I am, but my initial thought would be, why not an in-home visit, you know, mm-hmm. or to, to call them and say, hey, could we grab coffee or lunch? You know, I haven't seen you in a while, been missing you. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's gone six months and you haven't seen somebody, that I would think that that wouldn't be something that a church member would, you know, really not like. I would think that that would be a good thing coming from the pastor, to, that mm-hmm. they'd been noticed that they had been gone and just, hey, would love to grab coffee and or lunch and visit with you. And then at that meeting, face-to-face, kind of see what's going on. 
You know, that's well, a little bit, little bit more in, intentional or less subtle, I guess, than the postcard or the email. But, but that would be the first thing that would come to my mind. Well, keep in mind these are post, so these have been over a year gone. So they've actually, they're and lost. Have they been, They're not. Do they know? And you've told them that Mm-mm. they know that. I mean, I haven't explicitly said that. Now they agreed to that when they came in, so they know our timeline—the six months and the one-year timeline. So. That's just something that happened. Now, I will say for the inactives, the minnows, those ones I did call. I called those and spoke to them directly and let them know why I was calling. That was very direct because I don't want to get them to the post level. I want to – So this isn't personal. This isn't the first time you've had a conversation about this, You know about the fact that they've kind of uh, unengaged a little bit or disengaged a little bit. No, right you, now – You've had at least one conversation with them. No, right now – because I'm just now starting, all of these posts just got posted on their own and we weren't paying attention and they just kind of drifted away. So the ones that are inactive right now, if they do get to the post level, it won't be the first time that they've heard about it. Gotcha. Because I'm trying to yep. catch up. I've found a hole here that I wasn't real sure about. Gotcha. Yeah. So do you think – I like the – yeah, I like the postcard idea. I would – personally, I would try to go one step further uh-huh. and just say, you know, hey – you know, that's an awkward conversation to say, hey, you're no longer a member of our church, but yeah. say, what happened? You know, I'd love to just visit with you about, we've missed you. You know, mm-hmm. we want you to re-engage and let me, I, I just think face-to-face would be pretty compelling. You've been listening to EST, a conversation about the established church with our hosts, Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Freeze. We'll be back shortly after a brief message from our sponsors. Hey, this is Josh. I wanted to take a few moments just to talk to you about one of our EST sponsors, Trained Up. As a pastor, you know that you need to train your volunteers. You also know that that is one of the hardest things possible to do. Trying to get their schedules in order, trying to get everybody to show up, planning and organizing the whole thing can take a lot of your pastoring time away from you. With this resource, Trained Up has not only cut the amount of training meetings in half, it's also significantly increased participation by up to 40%. And that's a win for everybody. Not to mention that Trained Up already has courses built in with just about every ministry area you can think of. So even if you don't know what to cover, they've got you covered. And now for a limited time only, Trained Up is offering a 50% discount on their multi-ministry package for two years. Go to trainedup.org to get started today. Thank you to our sponsors who help further the mission of EST. If you'd like to partner with us and have us spotlight your ministry, go to estchurch.com for more information. Now, let's get back to the show. Let me ask you something. Do we have a biblical responsibility to do something about this? Is there... I think so. Pastoral. I think so. And I would put this in the category – you mentioned four categories of people who leave your church, death, upset, or, or who no longer remembers. Death, they're upset, there's a good reason, and then there are some that are unknown. I would say on the, the upset and the unknown, mm-hmm. I would think that Matthew 18 would come into play or something similar to Matthew 18 where there's you, – you've got to have a point at which you have a conversation, I think – And it's interesting in Matthew 18, I mean, that's in the context of a shepherd going and finding sheep. Mm. And so I think, I think that's part of our pastoral responsibility. It's a little more difficult depending on your church size or your church context. I mean, for instance, you know, you're in a commuter 
area. So you might have, I don't know, but I would assume there's probably people who go to Saxe's church who drive 30 or 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's a challenge. And then I think if, if the church is larger, a larger membership church, that would be challenging as well. But right. as a general rule, I think part of our role as shepherds is t- to, you know, find the, the, the sheep that has wandered off and go try to bring them back. Hmm. So I would think that pastorally we do have a responsibility yeah. to, to try to re-engage them. Yeah, that text really does apply to this. That's exactly what we're talking about is sheep wandering off and then you got to go chase them down. And what I'm finding or what I'm kind of discovering is our churches need to have a strategy not only for following up with guests. Of course we do that. We know what to do on that level. But this being my fifth or sixth church staff position that I'm on, I've never been on a church staff that had any sort of solution or strategy for what happens when a person disengages and what happens when a person loses their membership, what happens when a group of people are mad and they walk out the door, what do we do with them? And I really think maybe we need to have strategies for those different groups. Mm -hmm. What say you? Yeah, I think that's helpful. I mean, like I said, I'm still new enough at Paramount that we've really focused on the front end of membership, but I think that it's really healthy and helpful. And I would, I think if I was a church member, I would appreciate that, knowing mm-hmm. that, okay, if if something went wrong that and I went off the tracks a bit, that there is a strategy at a pastoral level for coming out and finding me. And I, again, I'm, I'm just, what's going through my mind right now is Matthew 18 and just thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, the parable of the lost sheep there that comes right before the paragraph on restoring a, a, a brother. Mm-hmm. And that is the way to think about it. I mean, if I was a delinquent, as you say, uh, or disengaged <laughs> member, like it it would mean a lot to me to know that a pastor's not going to just let me go. You know, there may come a point in time where, where there's a true parting of ways, but I think I would really appreciate knowing that there's a strategy in place that if I haven't come for a year or more, that there's going to be some kind of form of contact with me to try to, to bring me back. Hmm. I think that would signal to me that the pastors really cared about me as a church member. So I think there's a lot of value to that. I'm going to give it a lot more thought. You know, I also think that if I wasn't, if if it wasn't me, I would just like to know that my pastors, the you know the elders, the staff, care about my friend who is not currently coming, or my cousin who is not currently coming. They're they're chasing down those sheep, and um, and I think that that's something that could be there. We have learned something though already. This is a week into this, we've learned something. We previously, like a lot of churches, if there was a prospect that we would reach out to, and then nothing would come of that we just threw that in the same bucket as post in our program. We just marked them as post because there's no longer any real kind of ministry or follow up. Well, you need to follow up with those people much differently. So people who went through your screening, um, have committed to your church and then have lost that commitment need a certain sort of pastoral follow up. Whereas people who just were checking your church out and then never came back, they don't really need that same follow up. So yeah, you kind of mark them a little different. So we we created another category called drop. <laughs> so we yeah, have all of these different people. That's helpful. I think two things that are – two ways that I think about this. One, I don't want anybody falling through the cracks, and that would mm-hmm. be true of a guest or a member. Right. So I don't want a guest coming, and then there's never any follow-up or never any contact. Uh, I want there to be you know, a great guest follow-up process and system in place. I don't want a guest falling through the cracks. I also don't want a member falling through falling through the cracks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want a member to just, you know, whatever happens uh, that causes them to kind of just pull back a little bit from, from engaging. 
and then nobody ever connects with them. And so I would hope that a pastor or you know a member of their Sunday school class or something like that would connect with them. At the same time, so knowing that I hold in the one hand a value of not wanting anybody to fall through the cracks, on the other hand, and I guess this is what I would say to just balance out some of these these thoughts, I recognize that Paramount or any church I would lead is not going to be for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that we can stress ourselves out in terms of like trying to twist into a pretzel, trying to become all things to all people to keep every single person. And that, that will burn you out. And you'll also become a chameleon. I think Mm -hmm. in terms of your your ministry and your theology and your approach, because you're going to try to become a people pleaser. If you find out that somebody's leaving because they're upset about a, B or C and you try to fix a, B or C or change a, B and C just to keep them. And I right. think I felt that pressure, especially in my first couple of churches. I felt the pressure to try to not lose any members. And I think I've just, over over time, I'm entering into my 13th year of ministry, so I'm still fairly new at this. But over mm-hmm. that period of time, I think I've become more comfortable with just understanding that, you know, the churches I lead will not be for everyone. And, and at a certain point, I'm, you know, I do want to try to re-engage them, but at a certain point, you know, some people— may just need to go and I need to be okay. I need to be okay with that. Right. I've told the, uh, my coworker who it's, it's her main responsibility to put these people in these different statuses to figure out where they're supposed to be and all this sort of stuff that no is an acceptable and even beneficial answer. It's very good for us to know when people say, no, I will not come to your, what we call connects, which is our new members kind of course. No, I'm not coming to that because I'm no longer interested in your church. That's super helpful for us because then we can move that family to our drop status. When people say, no, I'm not coming back to that church because of this or because of that, we begin to um, understand and know not, not to put more resources towards that particular family. So it's helpful to know these sort of things. And it shouldn't beat you up. You should just kind of know, yeah, well, that's us. That's kind of the way we are, and it, it wasn't a good fit. So. Do you have um? We have just a few seconds here, but briefly, and uh, this may be a giant can of worms. How much should you care about the people that just get mad about these silly things, and you know that they're mad because of, I don't know, because you're wearing a T-shirt on a Thursday, or you weren't, you didn't endorse a certain political candidate loud enough. Just silly things. How how much should you care about that? Yeah, that's a really hard question because mm-hmm. there's a there's a, an answer in the head and an answer in the heart. I mean, yeah. the head, the, the head answer is don't let it get to you. I mean, yeah. right. We would all say you can't let that get to you, but you know, if you're, if you're a people person at all, then it is going to hurt. There's no doubt about it. And, and it still hurts now. I mean, even if I find out that somebody's left the church who I didn't even know and, and, you know, the, the, the church I'm pastoring right now is kind of a different context. I'm having to learn how to pastor this church because there are a lot of people I, I don't know and I haven't even met. But even if I find out somebody like that leaves, it still hurts. And mm-hmm. so I, I think you just have to, you know, constantly preach the gospel to yourself and remind your, yourself that your value is found in Christ and not in the fact that, you know, you're the most beloved pastor or nobody ever gets upset with you or right. people leave or stay at your church. You just can't find your value in that. Mm-hmm. Man, Andrew, I so appreciate you letting me kind of throw some ideas your way and and kind of push back on that. I hope that several of our listeners will begin to think through, you know, I don't have a strategy. And I do want to encourage them because, you know, you kept reminding that you're you're in your first year or so 
at Paramount. This is my six and a half year pastoring the same church. And we're just now beginning to develop these processes. You got to do what you're talking about first. And then, you know, you, you'll build this later. But for those who are listening that are maybe you, you've got your small groups in order, you've got all this sort of stuff in order, maybe it's time to start thinking about that back door and how do we shut that back door and do good intentional ministry on that. Any final thoughts on this, Andrew? No, I think that's super helpful. I think you've given me some things to think about, and and it's never too early to start planning. So I don't think I can pull what you're talking about off in the next year, but I'm sure going to start thinking about it. All right, man. Appreciate you, and um, we'll see all y'all next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the Word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.